At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e d podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Remy, Dungeon Master and a player on the Riftwake podcast. I'm Mitch, a player on Riftwake and a D&D enthusiast. And today's topic is Evil Overlord List Part 2. So, we had started going through the Evil Overlord List in the previous episode, and there is so much more to it that we want to just continue talking about, so let's just continue right along. My dungeon will have its own qualified medical staff complete with bodyguards. <laughs> That way, if the prisoner becomes sick and the cellmates tell the guard it's an emergency, the guard will fetch a trauma team instead of opening up the cell block to look. Fucking yes. This is another pretty common trope to try to get out of a cell. On the bright side slash downside, this is another one that could be really avoided in a D&D game because magical healing. If you just have you know, a healer on staff that just casts healing word just without opening the cell at all, or, you know, potentially lesser restoration, if it is, like, a, you know, a sickness of some kind, then, yeah, it, it makes it a lot harder to pull that kind of shenanigans. I mean, honestly, another way that you could kind of get around that so, the Staff of Healing is a rare magic item that exists, and the rules as written says that it has to be attuned to by a bard, cleric, or druid. I personally am not super fond of that limitation, but that is an item that allows the attuned person to cast Cure Wounds, Lesser Restoration, or Mass Cure Wounds using charges from the staff. So, having that item attuned to by someone on your payroll? Like, maybe you just say, you know, you bought an upgraded version of the staff that just requires attunement, but not... Like, to, like even just to make it so any spellcaster, instead of just Bard, Cleric, or Druid. And then you just have that item available to heal people, you know, under your care. Well, care in quotes. <sighs> My door mechanism... My door mechanisms will be designed so that blasting the control panel on the outside seals the door, and blasting the control panel on the inside opens the door, not vice versa. <laughs> uh, again, so much of this is Star Wars, but it's very funny. Oh, yeah, and I, I look, this list does predate Harry Potter. Oh. By two no. years. 
Interesting. All right, cool. My dungeon cells will not be furnished with objects that contain reflective surfaces or anything that can be unraveled. Oh, man. Dude, that latter one especially. Just the classic, you know, sheet rope to escape out the window. Actually, one that I don't think... Okay, actually, wait a minute. Let me scroll up here. I know it's here somewhere. Unless you happen to recall what number it is. Uh, two. Oh, okay. Yes. My ventilation ducts will be too small to crawl through. Should be really goddamn obvious. But I would also apply that to windows. Don't make the windows big enough for someone to escape through. Alright. Let's... On over to I will not order my trusted lieutenant to kill the infant who is destined to overthrow me. I'll do it myself. See, that one I actually somewhat disagree on the phrasing on, because that one didn't go great for Voldemort. So, the intent behind that one is that very often, like, the trusted lieutenant chooses that moment to throw a heart and spares the infant and just hides them under a new identity. But, honestly, just have the trusted lieutenant kill them in your presence, so you see it happen. And that you know that it is, in fact, the infant in question, and not one that they've popped out. And then throw in the incinerator. And then throw the body in the incinerator. Of course, that goes without saying. I will not waste time making my enemy's death look like an accident. I'm not accountable to anyone, and my other enemies will. <laughs> eh, it might be something just for fun, though. Like, maybe that just is, you know, your style as a villain, that, like, you only have people die in quote-unquote accidents. And that you never actually kill them, of course. They simply have a series of bad luck once they've decided to oppose you. Actually, ironic, considering that this did come out before Harry Potter, my undercover agents will not have tattoos identifying them as members of my organization, nor will they be required to wear military boots or adhere to any other dress codes. Yeah, having a thing that identifies you as a bad guy when they're undercover is a bad idea. It's one thing to have uniforms for the actual troops in your presence. It is another thing for your undercover agents to have such. Don't do that, or they should I will design all doomsday machines myself. If I must hire a mad scientist to assist me, I'll make sure he is that he is sufficiently twisted to never regret his evil ways and seek to undo the damage he caused. Yeah, honestly, ways to just avoid betrayal in general is something that Dungeon Master should just put a lot more thought into in general. It is really, really common for a party to just make the trusted lieutenant into their ally in order to help them get in or to just become friends with some mook like you know, maybe they find out there's some pub that is popular amongst the rank and file, and so they become friends with a guy who leaves the door open for them. Or like, hey, they just wanted to check out this thing. Do you think you can show me? Like, there's a lot of situations like that. But for a bad guy to actually put the work in, to have competent minions, it's really, really dangerous, honestly. It makes it much harder to sneak in or take them down or what have you. Uh, speaking of the place falling down around you, even though I don't really care because I plan on living forever, I will hire engineers who are able to build me a fortress sturdy enough that, if I am slain, it won't tumble to the ground for no good structural reason. Yeah, I think I mentioned that thing, too. Yeah, 
that's just a good idea. That is the weirdest goddamn thing is that the bad guy dies and then immediately everything self-destructs. You know, there's a kill switch or what have you that makes the place just tumble to their death around them. Like, that's just a bad idea. Because, again, in D&D especially, something that doesn't come up much on this list in particular because this isn't written with D&D in mind, D&D has resurrection. If a bad guy dies and they have good, competent followers, whether that is multiple trusted lieutenants or just mooks who know the backup plan, they can resurrect the bad guy. And yet that doesn't happen. Like, it'd be one thing if it is a lich, because it is much harder to bring an undead back to life once they have you know, gone down that path. But if you do just have a normal humanoid evil guy, then yeah. If they have, you know, piles of magic items, wealth beyond measure, they should have someone on staff, or someone with on retainer at least, to resurrect them if things go bad. Like, especially if it is like a higher level game where there's really considerable amounts of wealth going around, then true resurrection, you don't even need the body anymore. So if you do just have like a hundred thousand gold retainer just paid to some very powerful individual somewhere in the world who knows true resurrection, then that's a smart thing for a bad guy to do. So that, like, if they get word that they're killed, then yeah, they cast true resurrection, but just the once. So if you want to really just keep that guy on a retainer, you know, they need to get their resources back. But then you have a desperate bad guy who doesn't have their failsafe in place anymore, which again makes for interesting storytelling. <laughs> uh, this one just. I will see to it that plucky young lads or lasses in strange clothes and with the accent of an outlander shall regularly climb some monument in the main square of my capital and denounce me, claim to know the secret of my power, rally the masses to rebellion, etc. That way, the citizens will be jaded in case the real thing ever comes along. That is a brilliant plan, and honestly one that I myself probably would not have come up with, so I really appreciate that one. I didn't realize I was muted. Oh, close the one up. No matter how much I want revenge, I will never order an underling. Leave him; he's mine. Ah, uh, yeah. Honestly, like the whole bad guy thing of like wanting to kill them themselves is such a weakness. So if you just have a way to allow them to just watch the death, but like, or if you just say, okay, if you kill them, great, just bring me the body to verify that it's them. If, yeah. If I have equipment which performs an important function, it will not be activated by a lever that somebody could trigger by accidentally falling out when fatally wounded. <laughs> oh, that's, that just made me think space balls. You know, it sounds I will never place the key to a cell just outside of a prisoner's reach. Yeah, we've talked about that a little bit in the past, but yeah. Actually, something that I talked about before. If I come into the possession of an artifact which can only be used by the pure of heart, I will not attempt to use it regardless. Yeah. Just because a bad guy has the significant ego to think, no, I can 
you know, still hold on to being me. No, artifacts are artifacts for a reason, especially in D&D. <laughs> if I decide to hold a contest of skill open to the general public, contestants will be required to remove their hooded cloaks and shave their beards before entering. See, that one is logical, but also hard in the D&D world because you have spells like Alter Self, Disguise Self, the item had a disguise. I mean, hell, just general disguise kit. But I appreciate the logic of it, and it is definitely a good baseline. Yeah, I wouldn't be willing to shave my beard for any contest. Nah. I mean, depends. If it is something that I have a good enough shot at winning some amount, or if there is like a participation reward that's adequate. Because, I mean, yeah, I, it grows fast enough that I have it back within a month anyway. Ah. <sighs> Prison guards will have their own cantina featuring a wide variety of tasty treats that will deliver snacks to the guards while on duty. The guards will also be informed that accepting food or drink from any other source will result in execution. That's a really good idea, and another one that I myself probably would not have thought of. But, yeah, it is a common thing, like, you have two guards on duty, and then one of them, like, you know, oh, I'm gonna, you know, head to the cantina and grab a snack. You want anything? And then you split up, and then they die. Ah. <sighs> Should I actually decide to kill the hero in an elaborate, escape-proof, death-trap room? Water filling up, sand pouring down, walls converging, etc. I will not leave them alone five to ten minutes prior to imminent death, but will instead, finding a vantage point or monitoring camera, stick around and enjoy watching my adversary's demise. Honestly, that kind of slow death trap is so possible in D&D that I don't actually see that often enough, and I would like to. I would love to see more death traps. I really like traps in general, but it just isn't employed a lot of the time. And that is one of the fun things of utilizing a proper evil overlord in a D&D game, is they do have that you know sense of you know drama and flair that just makes for an entertaining character. Because, yeah, you can have very competent bad guys that aren't interesting. But to tell an interesting story, again, a proper evil overlord's style cannot be denied. Here's uh, one I've always liked. All members of my Legions of Terror will have professionally tailored uniforms. If your hero knocks a soldier unconscious and steals the uniform, the poor fit will give him away. Absolutely. Again, Star Wars. <laughs> if I build a bomb, I will simply remember which wire to cut if it has to be deactivated and make every wire red. Yeah, I like that one too. Again, not quite as D&D relevant, but honestly, having something like a magical bomb that needs to get diffused would be really interesting. Because there is a lot of D&D magic that can have explosive force, whether that is, you know, like a, you know, a staff that is broken, you know, just explodes in force damage usually. There are just, you know, fireball, obviously, glyphs of warding. So having some form of magical device is definitely a thing that could be implemented. And honestly, that's another that I would love to see in a D&D game that I don't think I ever have but I'm absolutely writing down now for my own notes. Before spending available funds on giant gargoyles, gothic arch arches, or other cosmetically intimidated pieces of arch architecture, 
I'll see if there are any valid military expenditures at EZX budget. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, in a D&D world, gear does matter. It is much, much less relevant a situation, allegedly, in 5th edition. But at the same time, if you can afford to have every single one of your mooks to get Bracers of Archer, that is an uncommon magic item that makes the Attune Wielder proficient with longbows and plus two damage to the damage of such. So if you just have your most dexterous individuals, regardless of class, if any, so you could theoretically just have, if you just had 10 commoners that just happen to have 12 decks because they just are decent at balance or whatever, if you just have DC, yeah, a dexterity of 12, that would just be like, okay, so they get proficiency by, because of this item. So that would become plus three to the attack roll and plus three to the damage. So that'd be plus three to the attack and d8 plus three damage from commoners. So if you had the right gear in the right hand, in the right situations, then yeah, the budget being used for your military expenses as an evil overlord can massively change the effectiveness. Actually, what did I like? If one of my daughters actually manages to win the hero and openly defies me, I will congratulate her on her choice, declare a national holiday to celebrate the wedding, and proclaim the hero my heir. This will probably be enough to break up the relationship. If not, at least I'm assured that no hero will attack my legion of terror when they're holding a parade in his honor. I like that. It's just an interesting one to think about. Because, again, D&D has a lot of situations where you'll have a bard or a rogue or just other characters. Like, seduction really does happen a lot in D&D. So trying to, like, seduce the child of a villain happens a lot, really. So to have the villain basically say, you know, nicely done, like, you're my heir now? That's honestly a really smart idea. <laughs> Actually, speaking of smart ideas... I will order my guards to stand in a line when they shoot at the hero so he cannot duck and have them accidentally shoot each other. Also, I will order some to aim above, below, and to the sides so they can't jump out of the way. So again, in D&D, that is a bit less relevant. However, action economy is where that really does come into effect. If you do have like a shooting squad of 10 guards with longbows and bracers of archery, then yeah. Like, if you do have the character stripped of their armor, stripped of their items, hell, they might even be just tied up or locked in stocks. That's a bad fucking situation. But at the same time, by making it an ordeal of it, you are granting a chance for a last-minute rescue, but it's a bad situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Passageway to and within my domain will be well lit with fluorescent lighting. Regrettably, the spooky atmosphere will be lost, but my security patrols will be much more effective. 
yeah. Again, the classic cultist portrayal is they're in like a dark, spooky room wearing hooded cloaks that makes it hard you know, to notice any identifiable features. But again, do away with the hooded cloaks, have a brightly lit room, not dim light, use the DD terminology. And yeah, that makes it a lot harder for someone who shouldn't be there to sneak around. Yeah, there's one it goes with. I'm trying to find. Actually, another one that I like. Oh. I will classify my lieutenants in three categories untrusted, trusted, and completely trusted. Promotion to the third category will be awarded posthumously. <laughs> I really like the phrasing of that, that you're only completely trusted after you die in my service. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I found the one that goes with the fluorescent lights. I will design fortress hallways with no alcoves or protruding support structures, which intruders could use for cover in a firefight. Yes! Absolutely. And this is one that DMs can absolutely make use of too, is just the thought of the design of hallways. So there's quite a number of ways to just have straight hallways without something to hide behind, or to actually have there be the kind of alcoves, but that your troops are trained to never stand in the alcove because they all have a glyph of warning to blow up anyone who does stand in them. Like, there's so much that a DM can just fuck around with that kind of layer design. If my surveillance reports any unmanned or seemingly innocent ships found where they're not supposed to be, they will be immediately vaporized instead of brought in for salvage. Ah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. If things shouldn't be, then they shouldn't be. So make them not. <laughs> I will provide funding and research to develop tactical and strategic weapons covering a full range of needs. So my choices are not limited to hand-to-hand -hand combat with swords. And blow up the planet. Honestly, yeah, having a super weapon takes a lot of resources. Turns out if you just devoted a similar number of resources to having, say, a thousand strong army with magic items, it probably will cost less. And again, action economy, probably going to be more effective. I will not set myself up as a god. That perilous position is reserved for my trusted lieutenant. Again, read up on Carsis's avatar. It's an interesting story. <sighs> I just had one, but I lost it. My legions of terror will be an equal opportunity employer. Conversely, Fuck, when that was it. Conversely, when it is prophesied that no man can defeat me, I'll keep in mind the increasing number of non-traditional gender roles. That, that is exactly the one that I was looking at. Uh, I will instruct my legions of terror in proper search techniques. In particular, if they're searching for escapees and someone shouts, Quick! They went that way! They must first ascertain the identity of this helpful informant before dashing off in hot pursuit. See, this isn't one that's on any of these lists that I can recall, but if you have some sort of identification card with matching photo mm -hmm. to go with the, the open face mask design so you can see the face. That? Yeah. And the fitted uniform. I mean, it'd be really, really hard to impersonate one of your security. Yeah, staff. if you have, yeah, if you just had identification papers at some point of some sort, especially if it is just like pinned on their chest, so they just had like an ID badge visible. Like, if you just go that route, like 
everyone has like you know a you know magical illusion of themselves made when they're hired and that if they do go through any procedure that significantly changes their look that they are required to update their badge before their next shift like yeah just having id badges with a picture and you know open faces yeah it's a good idea Ah. at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more visit parker.com purpose parker engineering your success as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Whenever plans are drawn up that include a timetable, I'll post-date the completion three days after it's actually scheduled to occur and not worry too much if they get stolen. Uh, that one is brilliant for D&D. To actually leave a clue, but of false information. That is brilliant and would absolutely be something that a DM could do. To just have everything just give the wrong thing or the wrong number or just the wrong location. Like to actually have like a location written down that is not the place where you must complete the ritual to gain all the power. <laughs> I will exchange the labels on my folder of top secret plans and my folder of family recipes. Imagine the hero's surprise when he decodes the stolen plans and finds instructions for Grandma's potato salad. <laughs> I do like that one as well. And again, so often bad guys will just like have their files just labeled. Like, thankfully, it's usually not as far as like evil plan, but it will be something as just very blunt and what the thing is. Like, uh, Project Starfish. <sighs> Have you seen the Suicide Squad yet? Yeah, I like the first half of it. The second half got it. Yeah. But just, come on! Why would their documentation call it Project Starfish? Uh, but to be fair, that's knowing the context. In hindsight, but still. Just have it labeled anything else. If I burst into the Rebel headquarters and find it deserted except for an odd blinking device, I'll not walk up to, to it and investigate. I'll run like hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Before being accepted into my Legions of Terror, potential recruits will have to pass peripheral vision and hearing tests, and be able to recognize the sound of a pebble thrown to distract them. 
I really do like that one. Now, another one that would be interesting to me to consider, so I mentioned the Staff of Healing before, and particularly Lesser Restoration. The thing is, Lesser Restoration touch a creature and can end either one disease or condition affecting it. The condition can be blinded, deafened, paralyzed, or poisoned. How smart would it be for a bad guy to make use of that to literally recruit the blind, deaf, and paralyzed, cure them, and make him into super loyal mooks? Yeah, it'd work pretty good. That'd be really goddamn effective. And yet, again, this is something that could be very easily done in D&D, because again, there definitely would be sources of, you know, blindness and deafness and what have you, just from normal life events that can be healed by the healing magic that exists in D&D. So using that to gain people's loyalty, especially if you made that open, imagine if you did just, like, have a bad guy that does have, like, a public face and a public, you know, company of some sort, that is just like open about like their this kind of philanthropy. That would be real hard to get people to try to take a person down that does that much like actual good. Yeah, he's kind of evil, but he does fund the orphanage. Yeah, like yeah, like it is known that there would be you know one hundred and seventy two children like would have died if not for that orphanage over the last fifty years, like. And then to kind of create that moral gray area, like, what is it that they're doing? Like, what is the evil that they're working towards? Like, do they just, you know, run a more, like, mafia style where they're mostly just killing other criminals? Or is it something where they do just, like, kill anyone who offends them? Because if you do want to kind of play in that moral gray area, that also could be interesting storytelling. You're going back to your false information thing. I'll hire one hopelessly stupid and incompetent lieutenant to make sure he's full of misinformation when I send him to capture the hero. <laughs> yeah, again, misinformation is something so easy to do, like, just in general, let alone in D&D, but is really rarely done. And not to mention, if you did make use of, you know, illusory script or just other methods to make it seem like, secure, important information to make the party kind of pat themselves on the back when they find it, again, it's real easy to just have a number wrong here and there. <laughs> if the rebels manage to trick me, I'll make a note of what they did, so that I do not keep falling for the same trick over and over again. If I am dangling over a precipice and the hero reaches his hand down to me, I will not attempt to pull him down with me. I will allow him to rescue me, thank him properly, then return to the safety of my fortress and order his execution. Yes, absolutely. Again, just what we were talking about before. If someone saves you, let them thank them. And again, having an, a reputation for honor, whether or not it's fully true, is a very valuable thing for an evil overlord to have. <laughs> I will have my fortress exercised regularly. Although ghosts in the dungeon provide an appropriate atmosphere, they tend to provide valuable information once placated. That's a really clever one for me, honestly. Like, I, that's another one that I probably just wouldn't have thought about. Like, yeah, trying to get information from the ghosts of those you killed. 
just to not allow ghosts in your fortress is a really good idea. I like this oh. one a lot. I will add indelible die to the moat. It won't stop anyone from swimming across, but even dim-witted guards should be able to figure out when someone's entered in this fashion. That is brilliant, because it is so simple. You don't need any magic to do it, so it wouldn't come up from tech magic or some such. It's not really a trap, but yeah, if you just die the moat blue, so anyone who just comes out of it is just bright, bright blue, and again, indelible die, so maybe you do decide to add some magic to it, so it's not prestidigitationable. Like, as much as it hurts my heart to say that, that would be a brilliant strategy. <laughs> if a scientist with a beautiful and unmarried daughter refuses to work for me, I'll not hold her hostage. Instead, I'll offer to pay for her future wedding and her child's college tuition. Honestly, so much of the downfall of villains is just being assholes just to be mustache-twirling people. But, like, if you have a fuckton of money, lose that fuckton of money. Like, again, honey and vinegar. It, it really can just boil down to that. There's nothing more terrifying than competent bureaucracy, really. It's a good thing that that's so rare. But again, in D&D, that's where it can get dangerous, because you can have some amount of competent bureaucracies, maybe. So, <laughs> I will decree that all hay be shipped in tightly packed bales. Any wagon load of loose hay <laughs> attempting to pass through a checkpoint will be set on fire. I like that one. That's really, that's another one that's just very clever. Oh man, that is a good one. I will not hold any sort of public celebration within my castle walls. Any open event, or any event open to members of the public will be held down the road in the festival pavilion. Yeah, again, if you have a stronghold, don't invite others in, ever, for any reason. Ha! I will hire a drama coach. The hero will think it must be a case of mistaken identity when confronted by my Minnesota accent, if everyone says American, or my Cornwall accent, if everyone sounds British. Oh, hey there. How you doing, guy? Oh, nice to meet you, eh? Yeah, this place is real spooky. Well, no, it won't be spooky because there's no alcoves and it's proper lighting. But still, it might have the gothic architecture, assuming, of course, that the military budget has been sufficient. <laughs> but again, like, this is brilliant. But again, die hard. This is, you know, exactly what Hans Gruber does, and it works for a good while. I will not hold lavish banquets in the middle of a famine. The good PR among the guests doesn't make up for the bad PR among the masses. Yep, again, action economy. If you've got a thousand angry peasants with rocks, that's actually really dangerous. Oh, hey, going back to uh, orphanages. I will funnel some of my ill-gotten gains into urban renewal projects. Although slums add a quaint and picturesque quality to any city, they, they too often contain unexpected allies for the heroes. There we go. Yep. Ah. Uh. <laughs> if I capture an enemy known for escaping via ingenious and fantastic little gadgets, I'll order a full cavity search and confiscate all personal items before throwing them into my dungeon. Honestly, for D&D especially, it's shockingly rare for the, for the players to actually get stripped of their items in a cell. They're usually just in a holding cell for some amount of time for reasons, but they're usually, like, they still have their armor, they still have, like, everything but their weapons. 
So you might still have the rogue with their lockpicks, for example, that might cause a unfortunate escape. Hold on, let me check my bag of holding. Uh, I mean, it actually, it gets really dangerous if you consider the wild mount spell wrist pocket, where there's a spell to just store an item in an extra-dimensional space. Like, that's one of those interesting consequences. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit tangential. If my mad scientist slash wizard tells me he's almost perfected my super weapon, but it still needs more testing, I'll wait for him to complete the test. No one ever conquered the world using a beta version. Oh, yeah, that one, that definitely, definitely happens a lot. <laughs> I will never tell the hero, yes, I was the one who did it, but you'll never be able to prove it to that incompetent old fool. Chances are that incompetent old fool is standing behind the curtain. Actually, on that note, don't have long billowing curtains. It's not on this list, but just don't. Just don't have places to hide in your place of power. Anywhere. Unless, of course, you have lists of warning behind them in case anyone does try to hide there to make it very obvious. I will make several ludicrously error erroneous maps to secret passages in my fortress and hire travelers to trust them to age hermits. Uh, again, misinformation. It keeps coming back to that, but it really is a good thing. I will not appoint a relative to my staff of advisors. Not only is nepotism the cause of most breakdowns in policy, it also causes trouble with the EOC. Oof. If I appoint someone as my consort, I will not subsequently inform them that they're being replaced by a younger, more attractive creature. Mm -hmm. Oh man, I cannot even think of how many times that's been a downfall. And yeah, that's definitely something that could be relevant in Deacon. If you have a consort, make them immortal with you so that they also stay young and attractive and powerful forever. And again, if you're going to survive through eternity, having a partner, probably a good way to hold on to a little bit more sanity. Oh, I like this. I'll hire an expert marksman to stand by the entrance to my fortress. His job would be to shoot anyone who rides up and challenge me. <laughs> oh man, I really like that one. <laughs> I will explain to my Legion of Terror that guns are ranged weapons and swords are not. Anyone who attempts to throw a sword at a hero or club him with a gun will be summarily executed. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> During times of peace, my Legions of Terror will not be permitted to lie around drinking meat and eating roast pork. Instead, they'll be required to obey my dietitian and my aerobics instructor. I will remember that any vulnerabilities I have are revealed strictly on a need-to-know basis. I'll also remember that no one needs to know. <laughs> All repair work will be done by an in-house maintenance staff. Any alleged repairmen who show up at the fortress will be escorted to the dungeon. <laughs> I love that one. I will hire an entire squad of blind guards. Not only is this in keeping with my status as an equal opportunity employer, but it'll come in handy when the hero becomes invisible or dies as my only light source. Yeah, that's a really good idea. You do just have you know, someone or some creature with blindsight, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, to go with that, uh, as an equal opportunity employer, I will have several hearing-impaired bodyguards. That way, if I wish to speak confidently with someone, I'll just turn my back so the guards can't read my lips instead of sending them all out of the room. Ha! Members of my Legion of Terror will attend seminars on sensitivity training. It's good public relations for them to be kind and courteous to the general population when not actively engaged in sowing chaos and destruction. Yep. 
<laughs> if my chief engineer displeases me, they'll be shot, not imprisoned in the dungeon or behind the traps they helped design. Employees will have conjugal visit trailers, which may be used provided they call in a replacement sign out on the timesheet. Given this, anyone caught making out in a closet while leaving the station unmonitored will be shot. Fair. And honestly, just giving them the opportunity to have a form of conjugal visit is really smart. That definitely will also help morale. Oh, wow. Actually, something way before Incredibles came out. I will not wear long, heavy clothes. <laughs> While they certainly make a bold-fashioned statement, they have an annoying tendency to get caught in doors or tripped over during an escape. I was about to No case! <laughs> oh, boy. If a malignant being demands a sacrificial victim have a particular quality, I will check and make sure the victim has this quality immediately before the sacrifice and not rely on earlier results. Especially if the quality is virginity and the victim is the hero's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. My legions of terror are defeated in battle. I will quietly withdraw and regroup instead of launching a haphazard mission to assassinate the hero. Uh, I will not pick up a glowing ancient artifact and shout, Its power is now mine! Instead, I'll grab some tongs, transfer it to a hazardous materials container, and transport it back to my lab for study. Whatever my one vulnerability is, I will fake a different one. For example, ordering all mirrors removed from from the palace, screaming and flinching whenever someone accidentally holds up a mirror, etc. In the climax, when the hero whips out a mirror and thrusts it in my face, my reaction will be, hmm, I think I need a shave. I was about to say that one. It's a great one. I love all the ones in here about misinformation, because that is absolutely things that a PM should consider. And again, Faking the vulnerability, going back to the lich example, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, hide the fact that you're a lich. I mean, honestly, if you could come up with some form of magic to just, or just help, alter self, just give yourself a more humanoid form to hide the fact that you're a lich. A 14th level warlock can cast alter self without expending a spell slot. That is a brilliant strategy if you just have, you know, a lich. With that invocation, whether they actually are a warlock themselves, or just have some hand waving magic where they sacrifice a bunch of warlocks to steal the power. Here's a good one. My force field generator will be located inside the shield they generate. Fuck yes. Again, see Star Wars. Or so many games. So many. <laughs> oh man, a nice irony one. I reserve the right to execute any henchman who appears to be a little too intelligent, powerful, or deep. However, if I do so, I will not at some point, at some subsequent point, shout, Why am I surrounded by these incompetent fools? I'll explain to my guards that most people have their eyes in the front of their heads, and thus while searching for someone, it makes little sense to draw a weapon and slowly back down the hallway. Yeah. Honestly, if you had, like, guards back to back, but is the common reason, or common other thing to do, but is still a bad idea, the smart thing is you have them face-to-face so that they can see each other and they can see behind in both directions. So if you have the guards standing a few feet apart face-to-face, that's the smart way. And again, if you see a look of shock on your ally's face, duck. Or hire a beholder. They got eyes in all the directions. Also true. If you could have a guard beholder that you treat well, that would be quite a significant boom. 
I will have a staff of competent detectives handy. If I learn that someone in the certain village is plotting against me, I'll have them find out who rather than wipe out the entire village in a preemptive strike. Yep. <laughs> Mythical guardians will be instructed to ask visitors name, purpose of visit, and whether they have an appointment instead of ancient riddles. Um, yeah, the whole idea of the space is kind of silly, that if you just answer the riddle, you're allowed to just pass by. Like, answer me these questions in- three. Yes. African Swallow or European Swallow? I will not procrastinate regarding any ritual granting immortality. That is a brilliant one. And also, that's one that can have some amusing side effects. Because, again, going back to the earlier example of the you know, particularly wealthy individual who does not have a large amount of personal power. So, have you ever actually seen Wish get used? No. So, I have talked at length about the pros and cons of Wish and how to interpret it, but immortality may well be the most commonly desired Wish in all of fiction. And yet, something that I've not seen done before that could be really interesting for the D&D perspective. Have someone in D&D with a fuck ton of money buy a spell scroll of Wish or just someone to cast Wish for them. But again, for a bad guy, an item is probably the safest way to go because then no one else has to know what they wished for. So they get the Wish, they wish for immortality. They get immortality. And it grants perfect immortality. They cannot be harmed. They cannot be hurt. They are unaging, truly, perfectly immortal. But it's D&D. They are basically time-locked in that state that, like, at the time that they made that wish. Like, let's even say it is, like, a, you know, clever bad guy who made the wish while they're still you know, young and handsome, mid-twenties, whatever. But then they are never able to level up or gain any amount of personal power beyond what they had at that moment. That would be an interesting villain. Because you have someone who cannot die or even be harmed, so you would have to come up with some way to lock them up or restrain them or something like that. But in the meantime, they cannot ever grow. So let's say that, you know, they had a massive amount of wealth, but, like, in terms of personal power, like, let's say that they were just, like, a, you know, third-level wizard. So they found out that such magic was possible, spent the money to get it, but didn't plan for this particular consequence. So someone who is forever a third-level wizard and locked into just cantrips and first and second level spells but cannot die but has time to become clever to accumulate more wealth to plan to hire other individuals that would be a real interesting damn villain and that i think sums up what i'm what we've been trying to get across for almost two hours there is a massive number of just items on this evil overboard list that can be used in a Dungeons and Dragons game to make very interesting storytelling 
and just for the sake of interesting world. Thanks for listening to this episode of Riffs and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to a monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Riffs and Rules topics. Find us on social media on Twitter at Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, and you can send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.